Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson, joined by my co-host, Corey Miller, former New York Giant and former South Carolina Gamecock legend and some big news in South Carolina land. And so we will jump into that in just a moment. A lot of NFL stories we want to get to. And speaking of the Giants, stick around for our Unpack This segment. They got a huge win against Seattle yesterday, and we'll take a look at the, the spiritual parallel to that story as well and and a lot to get to today we'll also do a bonus episode uh tomorrow because we've got a, a double header tonight in the nfl we've got a tuesday night game as well so uh, it's, it's hard for my wife to, to justify me watching as much football as i've been watching she's like wait you watched the game yesterday you're watching the game today. so it's uh it's a little tricky for me but Corey, how are you man how was the weekend it was a great weekend, and, uh, you know, church was awesome. Uh, of course, uh, Shane Beamer officially announced today with his press conference down in Columbia as a 36th head football coach at South Carolina. So I'm looking forward to talking about that, a new era of Gamecock football, and see where that goes. Can it get back into that that five-year type of excellence that, that Steve Spurrier has? So I'm, I'm very excited to talk about that. Now, my Giants, gee, man, are in first place still. Uh, in the NFC East, or shall I say least, but uh, but they're doing their thing, and, and uh, church was great. You know, my pastor preached something, B, you'll love this, when he talked about Isaiah 40, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? Shall mount up as wings, as eagles, they shall, they shall run and not become weary, walking not faint. And something he said that just really captivated me, don't waste your weight. Don't waste your yeah. weight. And so, man, listen, bro, since Sunday and, and everything this weekend and, and today, I am fired up and let's unpack some sports, some gospel, and let's roll, baby. I got a lot of energy, there, as you can tell. I love it. I love it. You're, yeah, you got your little uh, body armor there. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're good to go. And actually, so today I, I got lunch with a buddy and, and he ordered it for uh, just at his office. And, and so I didn't really order the food fully. And I never drink soda anymore, like very rarely. I'm a, I'm a water guy and that's, I'm good. But uh, he ended up ordering me a Coke, I guess. I don't even know what it was. I didn't want to make a big deal about it. So I, so I drank it. So I'm, I'm, I'm all uh, hocked up on uh, some Coca-Cola today. So, <laughs> so, so it's a little, little different for me as well. But, uh, but man, so in, in the NFL yesterday, some of the, some of the topics to get into I'm fascinated about some of the, the scenarios that we have as, as you know, the playoffs are, are coming down to the wire. And I, I find that there are some interesting teams in the mix. And, and there are still some teams that I just can't wrap my mind around teams like the Raiders almost losing to the jets. And there was some controversy in that game. All of a sudden the Rams looked better last night after they struggled kind of, kind of they kind of been up and down all, all season long. We don't know what to make of them. And, and then last night, the chiefs, they, they struggled a little bit with the Broncos. And so 
can we can we continue just to say, oh, Chiefs Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl? Because that's kind of been my thought: is hey, they're the team to beat. They're the team to beat. And so, can we be okay with them squeaking out some of these wins? And and Denver actually had a quarterback yesterday, so that was a big deal for them. <laughs> and, and, and Drew Locke did okay, but but we'll get into some of that NFL. But let, let, let's go and unpack a little bit further the the announcement for South Carolina because you know it's it maybe not the biggest story in all of college football, but. We're here in Charlotte. You live in Columbia, and that's your school. And so you're in the, the middle of it all. And, and what's interesting for me as a fan, knowing that when any time a, a new head coach is hired at a university, the alumni, whether it's you know, former students, but also the former players, they, they, their voice is heard oftentimes, and there can be even a split uh, amongst who former players want as the next head coach, who former uh, students and boosters, who they want, who the administration wants, who the current players, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and so I know for you, you got to, you get caught in the middle and your voice carries a lot of weight when you're talking about South Carolina football and, and you wanted a different candidate, but now you know who the new head coach is and, and you bleed South Carolina blood. And so uh, the, the floor is yours as far as your response to, to the news. Yeah. You know, it was, um, as you mentioned, I wanted a, a different candidate, right? You know, we've had uh, a couple of Zoom meetings with the uh, athletics director, Ray Tanner, before all this happened. He understood that former players' voices needed to be heard. There's been a, a disconnect with former players and the athletic department for a lot of years. That's something that, you know, I'm very passionate about, Bryce. You know, I want to see change there, and I, and I stand on that. As I, I, I did a Facebook Live yesterday, even after, you know, they announced Shane Beamer be, becoming the next head coach of South Carolina. And what I said in one of those Zoom to Ray Tanner was, you know, I'm not here to tell you who to hire, but but if you're going to go after a coach that has zero head coaching experience, well, why not one, one, one guy that I know that played at South Carolina, who's been around, has won national championships, who's now the co-defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, and that's Chris Rump. And, and you know, and, and not nothing against Shane Beamer, but – that was something we've been talking about for a long time, bringing one of our very own back. You know, how can we change the culture at South Carolina? One of the disconnects has been they don't take care of your former players. We want to, we wanted that to stop. I want that to stop, right? I want to see them reach back out to a lot of the, the players, successful athletes that have come through the program. Although the program has not had great success as a totality, right? When you think about it, we've had what eight eight win-plus seasons in the history of South Carolina football, and Steve Spurrier won four of those, right? So that's not a ton of history. Let's just be honest. I, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a Gamecock for life, baby. But I wanted somebody to come in here that can change that, change the culture, reconnect the former players, you know, heal the wounds that's been there for a lot of years, and let's become that one Carolina. Let's become that, that program that, that, you know, believes, and bleeds and think alike. And that's what we, we, we need. You know, but, but that being said, I'm fine with Shane Beamer being the coach. That's the way that they decided to go. They make the decisions, but he needs to understand and know the issues at hand, what needs to be changed, how do you change that culture, and you need the help of your alumni. You need the help of your former players because a lot of them are high school coaches. Some of them are even college coaches. Some of them are like myself that live in Columbia. There are a lot of former players that live right in the backyard 
that are businessmen, that are the preachers like me, that's been in the media to all, we all can help impact and change this program, but we need to be invited to the party. And, and so I'm hoping and praying that this will change. Now, as far as, you know, Shane Beamer, he wants to be there. You know, he wants to be at South Carolina. He says he's prepared his whole life to be the next head coach. You know, he, he was son of Frank Beamer, former coach, Beamer ball, Virginia Tech, special team, great defense, Bud Foster, those great years in Blacksburg, Virginia. I remember, you know, Beamer ball was fantastic. He's been at South Carolina, so he knows the fabric, the, the coaches and relationships. He's been in Oklahoma. He's been at Georgia with Kirby Smart, Sylvester Croom at Mississippi State. You know, so he has a resume. He's seen a lot of uh, uh, great coaching. He had been a coordinator, B, but you know what? Dabo Swinney wasn't either. And, uh, you know, I questioned that hire back in the day on the radio. I was like, man, Clemson is crazy. You go on with a guy that nobody even heard of. You know, but look what happened. This guy became the CEO of Clemson football. He became the spokesperson. He hired a, a great staff around him, people that knew the game of football. And look where they are today. He's won two national championships. So, you know what? If that can happen to that team that's in the upstate, I won't call their name, as Beamer said, that team in the upstate, then that definitely can happen at the University of South Carolina. So that's my prayer, brother, that this hire that Ray Tanner made will be the right hire and that we need to get together uh, collectively as one Carolina and see what we can get done. There you go. And and I think for people listening that that are non-South Carolina fans, I think all of us can relate to what goes on when our favorite team brings in a new coach and the reality is there are always multiple candidates and whether it's, you know, fans or people really invested in, in a program or a team, you, you've got your own idea of, mm. of what you think the solution is. And, right. you know, it, it's, it's challenging to figure out, okay, who is the right fit? And, and it's rare to find the Dabo Sweeney's that, that change the whole course of a, of a program and take it to the moon type of thing. Um, but here in Carolina with the Panthers, you know, we, there were some question marks about Matt rule. Oh, do we really want to go a college direction you want to bring a college coach into the pros and oh is he really does he have all the connections in the nfl that are needed and is he going to fill his his staff with enough nfl guys and you know all those kind of questions and the reality is we all have to be patient once the hire is done and then as fans we have to to decide are we going to continue to question and almost rude against the new guy that comes in so that we're proved correct that, Oh, I don't like that hire or whatever, or are we just going to say, all right, he's our new guy and we're all in. And so we all face that at different times as, as fans, um, even with the Charlotte Hornets bringing in Gordon Hayward, there was a split kind of, you know, down the middle, as far as oh, why did the Hornets spend all that money on him? We wanted to rebuild. And, and so the list goes on of, of those types of situations. And so it's interesting for you, you know, you clearly wanted a different candidate, but now you want to be all in and, and you're going to have to embrace it. And you're rooting for South Carolina to succeed. Yeah. And so even, you know, even some of those fans that maybe had a different candidate in mind. And, you know, it's interesting for me as an app state guy, uh, Scott Satterfield's name got thrown in the mix as well after he just left app to go to Louisville uh, last like, two years ago. But um, so anyway, so there's a lot of layers to it and, and it's interesting, but, uh, but, but you learn to, to embrace the, the direction and, and for you to continue to, you know, uh, voice your opinion, speak out and, and, you know, be a, be a supporter in, in different ways. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to be a guy that uh, helps the team, this team win, this, this culture be changed. I mean, 
And that's what I, I'm in it for. You know, it's just I'm in it to see the better days at South Carolina. And uh, I think they will come. And so, you know, we just need to move on. I mean, yeah, everybody might, may have had a different candidate they like, right? You know, they might have been Hugh Freeze. It could have been Billy Napier, you know, whomever. You know, it, 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 you can kind of spin it however you want to spin it, right? You can, you can be a, a, a daily doubter. You know, and, and be that one that just say, hey, you know, I'm going to continue to pour this negativity in the glass. Or you can say, hey, I know who Chris Rump is, a man of God, loves Jesus Christ, uh, a good leader of men. I, he's been, he's proven. He can recruit his tail off. He's got a great family. He loves South Carolina. I can spin it to it. makes great sense. But that's not who they chose. So my thing is, okay, now is how can I pour into the direction they decided to go. Hopefully we're not sitting here four or five years again, having to go through this, but you know, I will continue to push that one day a man like Chris Front will have the opportunity at the university of South Carolina to be a head football coach, uh, you know, and, and they've never had a, an African-American head football coach. They had two coordinators, two black coordinators, which was the first I believe in, in uh, college football. And, um, but maybe one day they'll take that next step uh, if the time comes. Uh, again, for Chris Rump to, to be a, a person that has an opportunity. But until then, I'm, I'm Team Beamer. I'm, I'm Shane Train, as they call it, one Carolina, and uh, do whatever I can do to help him be successful. And, and the other interesting thing, I heard you listening to the uh, press conference today, and, and that's what we do when, when you, know, you hear the new coach and all you can do is – you, you glean as much as you can from what a, a coach says during his, his opening remarks and, and his introductory press conference, but, but it comes down the line, you know, a couple of years down the line, is he building a program? And so we don't really know anything yet. So you can be excited about a hire, but, but it, it takes time and we'll, we'll, we'll see the, the results, not, not only on the field, but also, you know, developing the culture in the program. And there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, that, that even goes beyond the wins and losses too, especially initially. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, comparing it to the Panthers, because uh, that's the most recent thing for, for me as a fan, uh, seeing Matt Rule take over and, and, you know, just make some changes, put his stamp on it. And, and we're seeing the progress this year, but they haven't arrived. The Panthers aren't where they want to be yet. Um, and so, you know, all the things that we liked about Rule's initial press conference, well, now we're having to, to see it play out. And, okay, some of these coordinators <laughs> – or, or assistant coaches that we wondered about. We're seeing, oh, wow, the defense is better than we anticipated and all those kind of things. Uh, but it's a fun time for South Carolina and, uh, and, and happy for, uh, for the, the, the decision to be made, right? Yeah, and I think now we just look back and uh, wait, I should say. Don't waste the wait, right? And, and now we sit back and just see uh, the type of staff he, he establishes. You know, who's going to be retained? Well, Connor Shaw and guys like that, Rod Wilson, or two former Gamecock players that are on the staff, linebacker coach. And quarterback coach, of course, Connor uh, was just a personnel developer, a personnel type of thing. But, you know, will he stay in the coaching? You know, will they bring Rob Wilson back in the past some years with the Bears and I believe with the Dolphins? Uh, he's a linebacker coach. So we'll wait and see who's the coordinator. I think that's the really the million dollar question. You know, Ray Tanner said he wanted an offensive coach. Well, Beamer's not necessarily an offensive coach because he coached on both sides of the ball, right? Like Dabo, he was neither either. So it's about going to find that guy that was going to run the offense. That's, they want a wide open offense. They want to score points, right? They wanted the 2020 version of college football offense, you know, tempo, RPOs, and those types of things. So they're going to go find an offense coordinator like that and then, you know, find a defensive uh, 
a guy that can um, draw it up, dial some blitzes up, and be aggressive and and uh, go recruit. So let we'll just sit back and wait. That's all we can do. So we can't waste our wa- uh, wait, right? Don't waste our wait. <laughs> that that's right. Well, yeah. well, cool. Well, well, good stuff. And it's uh, it's great for us here at Unpacking It to to have the insight from from Corey on on that big story. Uh, for South Carolina, let let's uh, we'll, we'll shift to the NFL. And before we jump in, let me ask you this: Do you need to get your own health insurance? We'll go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. All right, so we're going to go through just some some quick stories here uh, uh, initially, and I I want to start with a couple. Uh, we're kind of talking coaches today a couple incidents that, that took place yesterday and one in the Jets game that got a lot of talk today as a former defensive player, you played in the other for the other team in New York, the, the Jets lose again. And I, I happened to catch the end and it was, it was very weird to watch the Raiders like all of a sudden win that game. It's like, are you kidding me? How did they do that? And, and the Jets just kind of, you know, gave them the game. But I listened to Get Up this morning, as I tend to do on Monday mornings, and Dan Orlovsky, Rex Ryan, you know, they criticized the final play call from, from Greg Williams, who now got fired today uh, for his basically all-out blitz uh, that, that resulted in the, the Henry Ruggs touchdown. But the, they, 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 they made the point that that's who Greg Williams is. And Dan Orlovsky has seen him make those, that same call in similar situations over the years. And so basically debunked the idea that, that he was you know, tanking or the Jets were trying to lose on that play. It was just a dumb play. It was just a dumb call. It didn't work. It was you know, poorly executed. They weren't able to get to the quarterback, their car. And so he was able to complete the pass. They won the game. But just as just initially your, your response to that as a defensive player watching that play call and, and ultimately what happened. Well, it's very easy, B. It's very easy. They were taken for Trevor, right? Hey, listen, we <laughs> don't want to win in. this game. Let's go cover zero. Let's go all out, baby. And let's let's get it up to the Las Vegas Raiders because we want to stay in contention. We want that number one pick. We want that guy. We want Fabio from Clemson. So that's all that was. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Listen, Greg Williams is a guy that's known for being aggressive. He's a guy, coordinator, that's been known for, you know, a risk taker, right? He's the Jolie Dunn. I don't know if you remember Jolie Dunn. She's been coordinator of at South Carolina to fire in defense. I mean, we zero bliss all the time. Um, it didn't matter what time it was in the ball game. And I know what's the, what's the thing you do, right? You got to lead, you sit back, you play cover two shell, you let everything get in front of you and you come up and make tackles, right? And you just kind of let them go down the field and run the clock out. Well, that's not who he is. So now we know hindsight, we look at it and go, that was a dumb, dumb play call, right? But I understand that. We were just having a conversation about something when I was calling the game Arkansas and South Carolina years ago, and we sat back in the soft two-shell zone and just every time let them complete passes. Sometimes you got to bring pressure. I get it. But maybe not a zero blitz. You know, you got Henry Ruggs out there. Now, here's some – I'm not very smart when it, yeah, when it comes to math, but if I got a corner that runs a 4-5, four, 4-6 four, – I know that guy right there runs a four-two-eight, mm. and, and so I can't sit back there in the back pedal and think I'm gonna be able to open my hips up and turn and run. So uh, uh, just a horrible call, horrible execution, and it cost them the game. But again, 
he got fired for being who he is, aggressive, a risk taker as a defensive coordinator. Listen, they knew that before they hired him. And, and listen, Jets, you haven't won a game all year. Bryce, they haven't won one game. So really, I mean, you on a fire coach with about three, four weeks left to go? Who cares at this point? Yeah. You're probably not going to win a game. I mean, it's going to be an offer for you. So I don't that understand. Was that was their chance because I, I even kind of felt it either early in the game or even before the game that it was kind of a winnable game. Well, the Oakland lost or uh, Las Vegas lost to Atlanta last week. So they're definitely beatable. So, yeah, that probably was their last chance to win. And I, I wonder if uh, not that I mean, it's already kind of unraveled this season for them, but this kind of gets worse. But I guess keeping Greg Williams around, it was like eh, that everybody was kind of blaming him for that play and that loss you needed to just get him out of the locker room so that it doesn't get even worse than than what it was uh the other coaching uh, situation that, that took place yesterday in that uh Miami and Cincinnati game Miami got the win but there were a couple special teams plays a little early on the uh on the tackling Brian Flores did not like that I'm a Flores fan um but I must say I'm a little torn with did he do the right thing going out to basically call out the, the player and the, and the Bengals for, for doing that, um, you know, early on the punt, kind of a cheap shot type of thing. Now, of course, the, the one side is, hey, he's standing up for his players, players coach. We love this. That's our guy. But does a coach need to keep his composure in that situation and, you know, talk to the refs, deal with it that way versus going out and, and what ultimately kind of stirred up uh, a, a mini brawl, uh, you know, in football, it's always funny when that happens. Everybody's got a helmet on and yeah. pad. They're hit, you're hitting worse in the middle of the game versus uh, when things are, you're pushing each other. But, uh, but what did you make of that? Well, listen, you know, uh, I don't want people to get it twisted right here with me, but as a former player, I like that. Yeah. I like it, man. Can you imagine your coach, you know, ripping the headsets off and going out there supporting <laughs> the guy? I got my players back. Yep. And Flores is that dude, right? He's that dude, man. And, and I, I'm telling you, you know what happened? It's kind of like the general, the, the GM, the skipper, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. in baseball, coming out oh, of the yeah. dugout and going in the umpire's face and, and spitting all in his face and screaming and arguing. And that helps kind of changes the mojo, the mindset, if you will, of your team. And I think that was really what he was doing. That was that insert of energy, that boost to get his team fired up because as a former player, I can tell you, that would fire me up, bro. That would fire me up, man. And so I like what he did. And they go on and get the victory. And they got a guy by the name of Tua Tangavaloa, a guy that came That's off boy. hip surgery, who guys that said that he may not ever play the game again, a guy that said to Mike McDonald's, you're crazy for taking him at the number five pick. He may not even touch the field. Oh, it's something about the number five. Right, because he's four and one as a rookie starter in the National Football League. This is the guy that people say he gets hurt too much. He's injury prone. He can't come back. He can't do this. Well, I know we got another spiritual element of the show here today, and I'm packing it. But what about this? When people say you can't, when people say it won't happen, when people doubt you, when people question you, and to have been a Christian, a man of faith. God is a God of the impossible. 
when what may be impossible with man is possible with God. And bro, I'm so proud that the Dolphins, that coach standing up for them, and then they got a rookie quarterback to a tongue of our Lord from the shores of Hawaii that has come to the States and he's lighting it up, bro. <laughs> gotta love that. You gotta love that. No, it was a, it was a good win. Um, the Bengals are shorthanded and not very good anyway. But like you say, they they just keep winning. Dolphins keep winning. They're in contention. Uh, they should make the playoffs. We'll talk about the Patriots in the moment in a moment because they're making it a little bit more interesting. <laughs> the situation with Flores, I think, yeah, you. I mean, you gotta, you can't let a game get out of hand. You can't, you don't, you don't want players getting ejected, and so. You've got to keep a certain level of composure for your team. And so you got to lead by example in that. So it's, it is a fine line because I absolutely understand. I'm an emotional guy, so I, I get it. Um, but, but yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a tricky situation. You don't want to be flying off the handle all the time. And not that, not that he, he did necessarily. You have to pick your points, I guess, is the, is the, the answer there. Um, and that was probably a, a you know, pivotal moment to say, hey, we're, this is now this is happened again. I think it happened to, the second time is when he really was like, all right, I got to put my foot down, stand up for what's right, stand up for your players. And so that's uh, that's understandable. So I'll keep rooting for Flores. I'm not necessarily a Dolphins guy, but I, I do like Flores a lot. Hey, Darius Ruck is proud, brother. Even if that's right. Made him cry, but there's nothing he could do. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I wonder what he was saying about that. So that was a big, uh, yeah, big moment in that game. All right. Speaking of the Patriots, though, I've thought about this multiple times throughout the season. I probably brought it up on the podcast. We don't know how to handle the Patriots this year. Like, we don't know what to think of them. We don't know what to make of them. This is new, new uh, territory for all of us on the outside looking in, analyzing the Patriots. Because in years past, it was the same thing every year. Even when they were struggling, you, you always knew, all right, it's Tom Brady, it's Bill Belichick. They'll figure it out. Just wait till November. <laughs> You know, just wait till November, December, January. That's when they play well. That's why it was always funny. Like, if people did criticize them in September, who cares? Like, so we always knew that. We knew when Brady was healthy, they were good to go. Uh, this year, though, you throw in the Cam Newton situation. Oh, he's new. He's, does he have anything left? You know, things, the way that he played toward the end of his time in Carolina, a lot of injuries, wasn't great. Uh, he ended his his career in Carolina fine, good good terms, but just not how he was playing. Right. Uh, then he goes up there on a low contract, prove it deal, and early on they're they're loving life, they're playing well. Then they hit this you know, just kind of a lull period. They got hit by the Rona that seemed to affect them. Well, now all of a sudden they're playing well, they're back in playoff contention. We were ready to throw this season off to say to say, hey, we're we're done, we're out. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not gonna be able to do anything this year that they're just thinking about next year. They'll, they'll go draft a quarterback. And, um, and that was kind of the, the storyline. Right. And so I just, I don't know what to say at this point, but I think we're all kind of silly to ever question Belichick. I think that's ultimately the, uh, the answer in all of this. And then of course the underlying storyline through all of this is you got to keep your eye on the bucks and what Tom Brady's doing. Now they're struggling. Now the Patriots are doing well. I'm just fascinated by it all. And I'm not willing to say, oh, I think today the Patriots are going to the, the playoffs. But, man, they make it interesting. They blew out the Chargers. The Chargers have not been blown out like that this year. They, even though they've lost a lot of games, they've played well. They got dominated yesterday. It was ugly. Well, I'm sitting there pulling up the stats. And, and I totally forgot that this game was 45 to nothing. I yeah. mean, 
Wow, I'm thinking that's like the halftime score of Alabama and LSU giving 14, right? <laughs> but Cam Newton, I mean, you know, pedestrian type day, right? 12 of 19, a touchdown. He ran for 48 yards. I, I mean, listen, New England, you look at their roster, they don't excite you, right? You you look at the receivers. I mean, they got, uh, you know, Bird and, you know, they got a couple other guys. I mean, they ain't like somebody's going to just light it up. And you, you go look at this offense and go, Cam Newton, this player we see with the Panthers, electric and the Superman and, and the dabs and, you know. But now he's coming off an injury. He gets released by the Panthers, go to the Patriots. You know, who else would Bill Belichick and say, hey, you know, Josh McDaniel, we need you to change the offense to cater to this guy. He's not Tom Brady, you know, because Tom Brady honestly didn't have – you know, a ton of just speed and, you know, he had guys that possession guys, he had Gronk at the time and, you know, they ran the ball, play action passes, they kept things in the middle of the field. That's what New England basically, like, that's who they are, more of a running team. They run a lot of quarterback counters and, you know, Damian Harris, another former Alabama guy has stepped in now and played very well in his second year running the football. I mean, they don't excite you, but they win. I mean, and they doing the defense is getting better. I thought early on the defense was a little suspect, right? But this defense of the Patriots have gotten better. Cam Newton is doing what he can do. They're not asking him to throw for 300 and three touchdowns. Hey, he does it with his legs. He does it with his arm and kind of a mixed bag, but they find a way to win. And guess what? 12 weeks in, they're 500. You know, I don't know if they went out 10 to 6 and they sneak in the playoffs. I mean, they got some work to do, but man. They're in, the mix. Them out they're, just yet. they're in the mix. They're in the mix. I mean, I, a few weeks ago, we were done with them. It was like, all right, yeah, they don't have yeah. it. Forget about it. They, they were, you know, wondering about, is Stidham the guy? You got to put him in there. But, yeah, their defense finally stepped up. Special teams scored. So, uh, yeah, they're starting to get all three phases. Look out. It's November, or now it's December. So, look don't out. Don't count Belichick out ever. No way. No way. All right. Let's um, – we'll, we'll save some of these other topics for tomorrow's show. Uh, so I, I want to make sure we, uh, we we talk New York Giants today. And and so e- each day here at Unpacking It, uh, we send out a, a devotional that takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible. You can subscribe for free on unpackingit.com. And so today I, I wrote about the New York Giants, and it's crazy. They, they started off one in seven, and now they have won four straight and it's crazy to say that five and seven puts you in the uh, the lead in the nfc east but that's where they find themselves and and i was listening to um good morning football this morning on on nfl network and i think it was nate burleson who who said that the giants are playing like they have nothing to lose and and it's very interesting when a team gets to that point in the season where you know, it's hard to get to that place because most of the time a team, you know, the coach's job is on the line. The quarterback's job is on the line. So you, you never really have nothing to lose. But that's where the Giants find themselves. You know, yesterday you got Colt McCoy, who's who's starting. You've got Alfred Morris playing running back. He scores two touchdowns. I mean, Alfred Morris is still in the NFL. Colt <laughs> still in the NFL. Colt, Colt's been a former guest on the show, so we'll give some love to Colt. But but, man, I mean, for those two guys to contribute, for them to get this win, they travel all the way to Seattle, which is it's hard to win in Seattle, even with no crowd. It's still hard to win in Seattle. Seattle, we, you know, we hyped them up earlier in the season, let Russ cook. They're loving life, playing well. And, and they're still, you know, now they're eight and four. 
uh, after the loss yesterday. But anyway, the Giants have, are, are able to play with a certain level of, of freedom. There's not much pressure on them. Joe Judge is their coach. You know, they're, they're locked in. It's that he's not a one-and-done kind of coach. Uh, they know that they're, they're investing in him and, and building a, a program because they lost Saquon Barkley the first yeah. the second, second game of the year. And so he's out for the season. So without Barkley yesterday, uh, with most of the season, you got a new coach, you got backups in there, you got nothing to lose. You just go out there and you play loose and you, you're feeling good. And, and so if you, if you win, hey, you're in contention for the playoffs. If you lose, you're closer to a top draft pick. So, so what a good spot to be in. So how does this parallel to our own lives? Well, as followers of Jesus, when we surrender our life to him, we have the hope and guarantee and, and we put our faith in eternity with Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that whether we die or whether we live, we win. So if we live, we live for Christ and, and we continue to, to, to live with purpose and meaning and, and whatever God's plan is for us while we're still here on earth. And if we die, we go to be with him. And so each day we can live with just so much freedom and so much peace and so much hope that, that, that we don't have to have the worry and we don't have to you know, be so concerned about the scoreboard and uh, anything like that, so to speak. And so we can, um, we can move forward with that confidence. And so, uh, of course, this, this parallels the, the verse found uh, in Philippians where, where Paul writes about this and and let me let me pull it up and i'll uh i'll read this for us uh and and let me let me have you jump in here Corey, as i uh as i pull up the verse i want to i want to read it word for word yeah that was part of my thing i know i think where you're going with it i was going to say you know paul did say that for me to live is christ but to die is gain um and you know and that's that's powerful words right that's just you know powerful words that, that hey you know i can live my life in a way that I'm free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That word means freedom. And, and when you give your life to Christ, I know I was studying the book of Romans and it talked about that freedom, right? The freedom that we have, the dominion now that we are not under law, but we are under the law of grace. And, you know, and so therefore we can have a freedom to live that life. Like you talk about you know, Wayne Garvin. I mean, I just in the stats. Wayne Garvin played running back at Clemson. Probably people have forgot about him. Well, he played yeah. for the Giants now. He went Huge for day. about 35, right, in a touchdown. Okay. So my thing is, if we live our lives in such a way, you know, like Paul talked about, you know, hey, if I had to choose, I'd probably choose to go be with the Lord, as you alluded to. But he said, but I choose to live basically so that he can share the gospel. You know, that's a great thing about us living, right? You know, Bryce, that we have an opportunity every single day to be on here on, on, on these types of platforms. Yeah, we talk in sports, but we have a platform to lift up the name of Jesus, right? He says, if my name be lifted up, I'll draw, or I'll add all men unto myself. And, and so, you know, we need to live our lives in such a way that, hey, like Paul, I want to live. I want to live. We love our families. We love our children. We love, I love, I love life. You know, because God says he wants to give us the best life. And I believe that means now, too. Now, he wants to have us the best life. Doesn't mean we won't have challenges. Don't mean that we don't have, have setbacks or problems. But he wants us to have the abundant life now. Live that abundant life in freedom. And then understanding that when your work is done, it's done. 
that Paul has said, hey, I fought the fight, right? I ran the race, basically. And now prepared for me as a crown of righteousness. And, 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 and so what a, what, a, what a way to live, knowing that I have already won the Super Bowl. But I'll play the game anyway because it's exciting. That's right. That's right. So he, here's the here's the verse. It's it's Philippians 1, 21 through 25. This is in the, the New Living Translation. And so Paul's writing this. He goes, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two <laughs> desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Amen. And so to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so when we can really live with that eternal perspective, it, it, it lifts our fear and, and gives us peace. It gives us hope. Now, the key is, though, we, we don't act careless. We don't act foolish. It doesn't mean we, you know, walk in the middle of the street and say, Oh, if I die, I, you know, go to heaven or, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't no. mean that, you know, we have to be foolish about this, this virus, but, but it also means we don't have to live in, in so much fear because we don't have to fear death because we know where, where we'll be. We'll be with Jesus for, forever. And so uh, the other verse to, to I think, kind of compliment this a little bit, because, you know, just like the giants, they still have to go out and play well. It doesn't mean they go out and play careless, even though if they win or lose, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean they play foolish or careless. And so for us, you, you go to Ephesians where it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so, so that's the perspective. We, we've already won. So we're, we're winning, win or lose, live or die, we win. Uh, but as we're here, Let's let's follow his plan. Let's live wise. Let's live with purpose and, and meaning and, and and ultimately point people to Jesus. Well, it's such a powerful, powerful devotion on the day. And it's, you know, and, and, and again, we fight this enemy that wants to bog us down, Bryce. They, they, we fight this enemy that wants us to worry. You know, the Bible says he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, or, or another translation said timidity. He didn't give us the spirit of timidity. So we don't have to live our lives being timid. You know, we don't have to live our lives in constant fear. Because here's the bottom line. We're surrounded by so much stuff right now, so much information and, you know, pandemic and the virus to the economy. You know, there is a lot happening around us. There's a lot that's going on. There's a lot that's affecting each and every one of us. But. We have freedom in Christ. God is still on the throne. I believe that he's using this thing for glory because what's going to happen, we got to turn our fears into praise. We got to turn our worry into praise, knowing that we serve the God most high, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, a king that said, I won't fail you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you, right? Live in that freedom. Live in that freedom and not in fear or in timidity. Understand that your king, he owns cattle on a thousand hill and the earth is his and the fullness thereof and that God is on our side. We got, we talk about Belichick. We talk about the Giants. We can talk about all of this. We got the best coach, general manager, owner in the world, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So, you know what? I just encourage everybody to let's all walk in that freedom. Let's live our lives in Christ. That's the key. 
Me to live is Christ in Christ and to die is gain. We already won the Super Bowl and laid up for us is that crown, that trophy, if you will, of righteousness that one day we'll all receive for those that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. We'll end it right there. Corey, great stuff, man. Wear your uh, South Carolina stuff proud, but uh, it goes uh, uh, all about the heart, all about the heart today and uh, living for Christ. So uh, encourage everyone listening today, uh, check out unpackingit.com. Uh, and also we'll, uh, we'll be back with some more podcasts this week as we'll, uh, we'll load up the next couple of weeks. And then of course it's Christmas and new years and we'll, uh, we'll come back uh, strong in the new year. We got some things we're working on here at unpacking it and, and really excited uh, for what's in store for 2021. Uh, thanks to all of you who support this show that support unpacking it. We greatly appreciate you. Uh, and so love to, to hear from you. You can send us an email, uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com, Corey at unpackingit.com. And then also, if you would like to support uh, the ministry financially, uh, you can do that as well, unpackingit.com slash donate. And, and we greatly appreciate Amen. your support as we uh, encourage, challenge, and inspire sports fans to follow Jesus and become more like him. And so as we wrap up this show, I'm Bryce Johnson. He's Corey Miller. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. (laughs) 